0: You're listening to Door and Window Discussions, the official podcast of Door and Window Market Magazine, where each month we open new insights into the industry's latest news and host discussions with some of its most interesting people. DWM is the only business-to-business publication that's devoted exclusively to coverage of the full Door and Window Industries, with a circulation that's audited by BPA Worldwide. And now, let's talk doors and windows.
1: Thanks, Chris. I'm Drew Vass, editor of Door and Window Market Magazine, and I'm here with my co-host, Tara Taffera, DWM's publisher and editorial director. Welcome to the podcast. In today's episode, we share some of the findings from a recent industry survey. We also have a great guest lined up, Paul Marvin, the CEO of Marvin.
2: And I think this speaks for itself, but for those of you who haven't adjusted yet, Marvin was previously known as Marvin Windows and Doors.
1: That's right. We face a bit of a unique challenge with naming in today's podcast. So with his permission, we'll refer to Paul as Paul and Marvin, the company, as Marvin. But first, some news.
2: If you read DWM's daily e-newsletter, then you may have noticed that we came across an interesting development recently, one that some door and window companies said they saw coming. A report in Forbes magazine discussed a situation that a number of business owners find themselves in. Um, As I'm sure many of you know, the CARES Act provides an additional $600 per week in unemployment benefits to workers who have been let go or furloughed as a result of COVID-19. Now, that can equate to as much as $790 per week in some states. According to Forbes, this has left a lot of companies in the lurch with employees that don't want to come back to work. In fact, we covered this in a recent article for DWM, which many of you may have read.
1: You know, Ben Moeller, president of Moeller Door and Window in St. Henry, Ohio, he was one who told me early on that he was concerned about this issue. And he wasn't the only one either. I checked back in with him recently, and what he told me was interesting. He says he lost a couple of folks who didn't want to come back, but he got back basically everyone he had hoped for. But he also points out that this issue is striking companies that you know they may not pay enough to begin with he's, he basically said he says for the most part his crew is paid enough that it it didn't make sense for them to remain home
2: yeah it's definitely an interesting issue to say the least um and if you have any comments on that we'd love to continue to uh, cover this so don't hesitate to reach out to us
1: definitely we'd love to hear more about how this is panning out for everyone Another interesting development that surfaced this week includes the fact that the Department of Justice plans to drop in on a hearing for Geldwin's appeals case. This is really interesting to me. Um, in a nutshell, prior to Geldwin's acquisition of Craftmaster International back in 2012, the Department of Justice twice investigated the proposed deal, then cleared it of concerns over impacts to competition. And uh, that so that acquisition was later found to be in violation of Section seven of the Clayton Act. And Geldman, of course, is now appealing that ruling, and now the Department of Justice wants five minutes to weigh in with some insights that they believe are germane to the hearing. But how interesting, right? Five minutes. Just give us the mic for five minutes.
2: It really is, and once we get our hands on the transcripts from that virtual hearing, we'll definitely uh, tell you more. So stay tuned to uh, dwmag.com for that. Um, and Drew, you're in the process of wrapping up the May June issue right now. Is that right?
1: I, I am. Yeah, And like I told you earlier today, I think it's wrapping me up. But and <laughs> <laughs> this this is the big COVID issue. It's it's in production this week, and we're including a report on the state of the industry. And in addition to weigh in from top economists and other independent experts, we also share some of the findings from our, our recent industry survey.
2: And you surveyed everyone from manufacturers, material suppliers, to dealers, contractors, machinery providers, really the entire industry. So tell us what you found.
1: Well, I can't get into all of it here, of course, because you know we wanna to get to Paul, but regarding operating capacity these days, the majority of companies ranked themselves somewhere in the 60% range compared that's compared to their maximum or normal capacities. Though, you know, I think it's worth noting that some ranged as high as 90 to 100% of their capacities. So, and a surprising number of companies said that.
2: So what about the dealer since that's where the sales happen?
1: Yeah, the dealers, they say they're operating at around 70% of capacity. And, you know, that's pretty good considering what they're up against um, in terms of how they have to operate these days. Another interesting tidbit I found, um, but maybe not totally surprising, includes the fact that when asked to rank their levels of automation on a scale of 1 to 10, those companies that rank themselves an 8 or higher, so, you know, highly automated companies, say that those technologies, those improvements have helped them to maintain operations despite things like social distancing and cutbacks. And, but, the, you know, they say it's been a big factor.
2: Um, and speaking of being optimistic, today's guest is a fourth-generation leader for a family-owned business that had a phenomenal year in 2019. In addition to discussing the details, we'll also ask for his outlook in 2020 and beyond.
1: As we said, Paul Marvin is CEO of Marvin, and, um, which was previously Marvin Windows and Doors. The company was founded in 1912 as Marvin, Marvin Lumber and Cedar Company before pivoting specifically to doors and windows.
2: And we'll have Paul share a little more of his background. But long story short, he joined the company as an analyst for sales, marketing, and operations, managed its wood processing operation in Warroad, and directed materials, purchasing, and supply chains before making his ascent to company president in 2016. He then became CEO in August of 2017.
1: And like you said, Tara, Paul is fourth generation, and that's something that Marvin reminds us that you know, according to them, less than three percent of family-owned businesses achieve. Paul, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thanks for having me, Group.
2: Paul, one of the things that became apparent to us in reviewing your background includes the fact that, unlike what appears for some family-owned companies, your rise to CEO was far from just symbolic. It included a specific process. I think I read that there was a detailed five-year plan involved. Can you just tell us about that a little bit?
0: Sure. Yeah, yeah it was a very um, you know, well-thought-out plan, as as you might expect from a, a you know, a, a century-old fourth-generation family company. We uh, um, we pride ourselves on taking the long view and and uh, being very planful and and uh, purposeful. Uh, in my in my case, um, you know, well, as with as with all family members, it began early, working in our factory and uh, when in my teenage high school years and um, but, after I became you know, formally employed as, a, as an adult and jo- had, had joined the family business, um, I had a series of you know, progressive roles until the time came for the board um, to undertake succession planning for our then current CEO, a third generation, my, my uncle Jake Marvin. And uh, they conducted a, um, a very well thought out, um, search, used independent non-family members um, to, to do that. And um, when I was uh, tapped, uh, as you said, indeed, it was five years before. And um, my, my uncle Jake always um, uh, referred to me somewhat Jokingly, but but not fully as the candidate, um, he always made sure that everyone knew <laughs> I was a candidate to succeed uh, him as CEO. Um, but that there was going to need to be a lot of continued growth uh, on on my part, as well as the the rest of the family and the team um, that would support me. And so, yes, it was a series of successive jobs from that five year point of increasing responsibility. Um, executive coaching um, and just immersing in new experiences, and I couldn't I couldn't have asked for a better approach. Uh, when the day came, um, I was ready, I, um, and uh, it was that was a doing, um, you know, in large part to to the planning of the board and, and the family.
1: You know, I have to ask you this. Um, of course, most of us we spend a number of years just trying to figure out what our calling is so to speak and I'm just wondering was there ever a time when you doubted or wondered if doors and windows were for you I mean did you ever have a moment of indecision about the the industry or the company and obviously we're talking well before that five-year plan you were far along by then but in uh, did that ever ever have that moment
0: oh you bet uh, for sure and and in fact I would I would say uh, those moments were encouraged um, by the generations before us. Look, I think it's, you grow up in the family business, surrounded by it. Your, your, your dad or mom works for the business, your aunts, uncles, your grandfather, you live in the town where it's headquartered. Um, the, your last name is literally the, the name of the company. So in some sense it's birthright, but, um, you know, I think to a T every, every family member of previous generations has only wanted what's best for, for their offspring. And, and in my case, um, you know, I was one of six kids um, and some of us ended up in the family business and some didn't. In my case, I started a business right after my own business right after college. Um, Yeah. I was, I I started a school bus company um, at the very mature age of, of 23 years old. Um, and I always like to, to say it, it, it was good that I was that young. Cause if I had been smarter and wiser, there's no way I would have done it. Um, but I, but I had an entrepreneurial bug and, and others in, you know, in my immediate family and extended family, uh, many, um, went off and, and, did other things, um, before joining the family business, others joined the business right away and some never did. So for me, I, I loved that time. I ran that business for eight years. I grew as an individual, as a leader. I I did every part of the business. I you know I became self sufficient, and I made some I made some great mistakes, and I had some great triumphs, and uh, I, I look back at it fondly. But during that time, I was just focused on my business. I thought, well, maybe someday I'll come back to the family business, but it wasn't looming over me. So. Um, but at some point it just became um apparent that I wanted, to, you know, there was a draw and I wanted to return uh to the business and, and I did at uh, I think I was age 32.
2: Wow. And you just said that you're one of six kids, correct? Yes. And then before we started taping, you mentioned that you have six kids. Is that right? That's true. Okay. And I think we said one, your youngest is four, your oldest is a boy, um, uh, freshman in college. So I have to ask you, is it, is it too early Are any, you know, the boys that are older, are any of them talking about entering the business, even if it's, you know, fleeting thoughts, you ever have those discussions?
0: Well, uh, my two oldest are 19 and 17 and they're going to be, uh, entering the family business next Monday at the factory for the summer, if that counts. Well, uh, that ah. it
2: does. Of course it counts.
0: Yeah. Uh, but that would be normal for, for um, any of the G five, as we call them generation five. And there, I should note there's over 40 G fives in the Marvin family. Now um, that, that are part of the business uh, in they range and age, age one to, to the oldest is 20 two and um so there's a number of you know up and comers that are at that age now where they're in college just about to graduate college and boy I sure hope you know whether you know my own kids as well as my nephews and nieces um first of all the odds are pretty good we've got 40 of them so (laughs) uh yeah, they'll be encouraged, uh, you know, kind of like we were. It's there for you if you want it. It's a great opportunity. There's so many ways to contribute. You can scratch a lot of different itches based on what your passions are because it's a big business and um, and love to have you. And if your calling is something different, then that's okay, too.
1: Well, and you're, you've already proven that the entrepreneurial and business gene is a real thing. It, it drew you in. And you, so you became president in 2016 and then CEO in 2017. Just two years in, I mean, I think we can say by all accounts, 2019 sure seemed to be a milestone year for Marvin. I mean, April 30th, you rebranded, you revised your product nomenclature. And then in July, you completely redesigned the user experience on the website. No changes to manufacturing, distribution, or sales, but still major changes for the company. That was mostly about how consumers find, browse, learn about your products, right? What was some of the impetus or the thought behind that?
0: Yeah, I mean, there was a number of factors that went into it. And uh, you're right, it did happen very early in my, in my tenure uh, at the helm. Um, but the, the discussions had started, I'd say, a, a, a little bit prior to that. But you're right, um, It just came time in our research through multiple levels in the supply chain to the consumer, the the trade audience, be it a builder, remodeler, contractor, architect, um, and and at the dealer level as well, just pointed towards um, an opportunity to uh, more to simplify our portfolio and the, and the branding and nomenclature that goes with it to help those various audiences navigate, uh, and understand, um, what the, what the products options were and to get the exact right fit, um, for the customer. Uh, also I would, I would just add to it that, you know, this probably isn't a surprise, but when we quantitatively did research the power of the, you know, the Marvin name, um, became obvious and to put that front and center and take that powerful name and really, I'll, I'll say double down on the Marvin name. And we, we use this kind of term one Marvin, um, was, was also a a big part of it. And, and then, you know, you, you, you kind of talked about the transition. It, there, there was some, um, I think I don't know if one caused the other but it seemed like a good time it was it had been a while since we'd refreshed the, the the logo the brand and those things need that every once in a while so a generational transfer is a milestone moment in a family business and that also seemed like just the perfect time to do it as well
1: and you kept the rose I I, I really uh you know normally when you read about the thoughts behind the marketing behind a rebranding like that Um, sometimes it doesn't always make sense, but I looked at the rose and how you transitioned it to a more modern look and yet retained its meaning. I thought, I thought you did a good job with that. And the process of rebranding was expected to be, you know, 75 or so percent complete by the end of last year and then 90 to 95 percent complete by the end of 2020. I'm just curious, will that still happen? Are you still on the mark with that, with all that's going on?
0: Oh, yes. Yeah. And, 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 I would say, I mean, there will always be some continued um, projects and evolutions uh, of, of the, the brand refresh and um, we're not done. There, there probably have been a few things that have been paused or, you know, just slowed down. Um, but we've done a lot of heavy lifting already. Um, and, and then there will, you know, continue to be some, uh, additional adjustments and, and, uh, changes in the, uh, not only in 2020, but in, I'd say in 2021 and and possibly 2022. Um, some of these things just take time, um, and don't need to, to do it, uh, overnight. So, um, I'm pleased with the progress we've made so far. We're where we want to be, um, and, and. You know, the pandemic itself hasn't been this, it's been a huge thing, uh, but it hasn't um, affected, you know, our progress on the, uh, in positioning on the, on the rebrand.
2: Okay. Well, that, that is good news. And that is a um, good transition into what I was going to ask you about next, um, which of course is the current situation that we all are in with COVID-19. I don't know if you've seen, but DWM, uh, we've spent recent months producing a podcast specifically about the coronavirus in the industry. Um, So today we've kind of intentionally steered you away from that subject a little bit. We kind of want to focus on other things, Um, but clearly COVID is having a huge impact on our industry, all industries. And I know our listeners will appreciate you, your perspective. If you could just tell us a little bit of how this is affecting Marvin.
0: Well, I'm I'm sure it's affected us or is affecting us in in similar ways to a lot of our competitors and our our customers and suppliers. In that, you know, um, everything came to a standstill, and and there was an immediate, almost immediate drop. We worked through a backlog. We had a strong backlog. We were having just one one heck of a first quarter, and. I think, a you know, a lot of building material companies were, um, and we were no exception, just, um, you know, fantastic. So it held on for a while, but you know, it, it, it as things got locked down, um, it affected the order file. It's just no question. And, um, so it, uh, then it became okay. So what, right. And so we went through the playbook that a lot of, Companies have, but not, but not all. Um, we made some different decisions than than some. Probably most notable is we've continued our our, our long tradition um, and uh, strategic position of no layoffs, um, and and that's continued through the pandemic. But you know, it's we're, we've reached a point now in this pandemic where. Um, it's time to focus on offense again. Um, we we are still our our employee health and safety is number one. It always has been. It's elevated at a new wave, and that will continue to be. But it's time to go to work now. And and there's opportunity out there. And uh, so we're we're I'll say continue to pivot towards um uh, you know the business of um, making and and selling uh, windows and doors.
2: Yeah, that's. Uh, oh, sorry, Drew, were you going to jump in with
0: no,
1: something? No, I was just going to say, and, and you know, you'd mentioned how you were having a stellar year in 2019, you had a stellar year, and then in January, you were still having, you know, a great, great success. And then you also mentioned taking care of employees. You made a huge announcement in December that, you know, more than $11 million in profits, would be shared with around five thousand of those employees. A tradition that I think goes back to nineteen fifty seven for your company. Obviously, your you know things have been great, and how much of that momentum do you expect to maintain through COVID
2: nineteen?
0: Yeah, so I mean, I think the answer to that is there's there's two ways to answer that. Um, any you know, it's going to have an immediate, it has had an immediate impact in the. And my belief, is the the aftershocks, the economic aftershocks, are are going to linger for a while. This this idea, of, this is Paul's personal opinion of a, um, and I don't think it's um, too far fetched. I think it's a you know a, a popular uh, position is that it's this idea of a V shape is is unlikely. Um, it will be a slower, gradual return with maybe some hiccups, um, depending on resurgence of the pandemic um, and the virus and continued lockdowns so uh, I think things will um, remain um, you know not as bad as they got really really quickly but they're gonna you know I think it's going to be a kind of a depressed level of orders uh, and and economic activity in in the, in the industry for the remainder of the year. I think, um, you know, I think most companies are planning on that. There's, there's, you know, this is a cliche at this point, but the uncertainty of it is, is it's real. And so some of it is waiting to see how this plays out. Um, People have been through recessions before, but not, not one, um, induced by by a, by a global health crisis um, that has its own set of problems
2: right so there are so many un- unknowns so I mean how how do you plan do you dare look out to 2021
0: 2022 um, yeah yeah you you have to um I, I think um, uh, especially as I said at the beginning when you, when you're a company that's in it for the long the long haul um, and you know, not interested in quarterly earnings reports or even annual success. We certainly want to be successful on an annual basis, but our, you know, our, our, our looking glass is always, you know, we say this and it's true is in years, it's in decades. that's what we're planning for. So um, we're certainly looking out on how can we be successful after this is, this is done. And that involves, you know, Um, continued investments, it's why we retain our talent, why we don't lay off, continued investments in our products and services that are gonna fuel our growth. So we had a strategic plan going into this pandemic. We still have that plan. The difference now is what what, what changes uh, about it? Will the world change, the post-COVID world? And I think that's a question everyone's asking themselves. Uh, but, but that's something we're going to look very closely at is what long-lasting effects will this have and, and how should that change our, our strategic growth plan. Um, and in some cases it will and in others it, 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 it won't at all. Or it might actually accelerate it saying this is needed now more than ever. We have a number of products geared towards a home where we're all spending a bunch of time right now um, that, that we would say, this is the perfect time for this. We need this now more than ever. So,
2: yeah. And sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but I just want to, I did want to point out when you talked about your products, I was at the builder show this year and I remember you all had some great product launches and several, if I'm remembering uh, correctly. So I'm sure you do have a lot of great products to tell your customers about. And you know, that the um, consumers will be interested in.
0: We sure do. And you know, I won't, um, um, turn turn this into a commercial for, <laughs> for Marvin windows and doors, but they, they, uh, we are very proud of them. And I, I will just say that, you know, our new sky cove product in a, um, which is an immersive, uh, bay unlike anything on uh, box bay, unlike anything on the, on the market in immersive environment that, that really brings the, um, the inside to the, to the outside, um, from a light and, and, uh, comfort aspect Uh, as well as our our skylight they're they're coming at uh, our awakened skylight they're coming at the perfect time where people have spent so much time indoors and and they're designed literally um around you know a happy healthy living helping people live better in their homes and what better time um than right now for for products like those and and um And they fit really nice with the rest of our portfolio.
2: At the show, I was, I remember talking about both of those. Chris probably remembers too. We got some video and I was doing some social media about, yeah, if you need me, I'll be over at the Marvin booth. I was hanging out in the Sky Cove. I really, really loved those. And so, again, I'm sure, you know, other consumers like me will be interested as well. So, yeah, kudos on that.
1: Yeah, I was going to say some really unique engineering went into that one, especially with the way it's joined together. So yeah, kudos on a really, really cool design. Thank you. Oh, thanks for joining us today. We just, we really enjoyed having you on the podcast.
0: Yeah, well, thanks for having me. I I really enjoyed it uh, as well. It was nice talking to both of you.
2: Yes, thank you so much. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but thanks for joining us. And as always, check our website for the latest news.
1: Yes, thanks for tuning in. We'll be back
2: with another episode in June. In the meantime, stay safe and stay healthy.